Orcas and salmon are friends that need help. Our ocean pals are facing some trouble. Less trouble, more bubbles. There's so much we can do. Do you know what I'm thinking? Let's start preaching extinction. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. This week, I'll be chatting with a dear friend of mine named Cole. He's a fisherman, a naturalist, citizen scientist, among many other titles. I do just want to give a little warning. He uh, did ask me before this episode what the rules for the podcast were, and I made the mistake of telling him that there were none. So um, I would recommend that children do not listen to this. Any minors, please uh, don't listen to this. And if you don't like jokes, I would say that this probably is not the podcast for you. We do talk about some serious things, but um, there is some humor in there as well that may not be well received by everyone. So this may not be the episode for you, but if it is, keep listening. Um, And just a quick message from our sponsors before we get started. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash breachingextinction and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's easy. Go to audible.com slash breachingextinction. Alrighty, so this week I have my friend Cole Basar with us. Um, so you want to give us like a little introduction? I mean, I can kind of introduce you. Really awesome, cool nerd. Knows how to swim. Knows how to drive a boat. Has seen a whale. Um, all of those things are correct. Yes. Amazing. Okay, but tell us in all seriousness who you are. What is your line of work, and how did you get where you are today? Sweet. Um, I am Cole. I am a naturalist, a captain, a program leader. I do a bunch of stuff. Almost all of it involves the ocean. Um, I kind of split my time between a bunch of places. Um, I work in the San Juan Islands as a charter captain. So I do whale watching, island tours, and fishing. Um, And I also go down to Mexico. I run a citizen science program down there where I take people out to swim with whale sharks and collect data and drink tequila. And then I also uh, work in Hawaii as a lead naturalist for a nonprofit down there as well in the humpback national or Hawaiian humpback national marine sanctuary. So lots of whales, lots of water, lots of nerding out. Amazing. Um, so how did you get into this line of work? Um, I had what I've deemed as a quarter life crisis. Uh, I was a high school teacher for a few years right out of college. And then right when I turned about 25, I just had a million things go wrong in life. And I hated teaching and I quit and was looking for other things to do and did a bunch of random things, volunteered at zoos, met a bunch of people, networked, and then somehow fell onto a whale. Not physically, but... <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so what do you mean you fell onto a whale? Like, you just, like, on a boat, off, basically onto a whale? <laughs> no, I found, I found a job posting, or a, a lady at the zoo gave me a job posting for the San Juan Islands working as just, like, a naturalist and kayak guide. Nice. And I 
like many whale nerds, have had dreams about a killer whale since I was younger. So I was like, this is it. This is where I'm going. Yes. And I got the job and went, and a bunch of cool things happened since then. Okay, I would like to hear more about your killer whale dreams. Sometimes they get sexual. Is that is this a PG, PG thirteen? How how deep can we get into these? I mean, go for it. Total, totally kidding. No, I've just always I've had dreams, and I've heard from several other whale people that there are whale dreams are a thing. Yes. Um, and yeah, there's there's all all sorts of different different things that go on in my head. Yeah. None of them sexual with the whales. I, I would like. I would like to make that very official <laughs> and please, please don't edit it otherwise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, just normal whale dreams, swimming with whales, riding whales, not like that, just <laughs> normally. Oh my gosh. We're off to a good start. We're off to a great <laughs> start. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, so you had these whale dreams, like many whale people. So then when you had this job, like, situation, you kind of just knew. You were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Oh, it was weird, yeah. I knew I got the job before I even, like, applied for it. I yeah. Like, oh, sweet, I'm moving to Orcas Island. Yeah. I kind of had the same thing, Um, like, when I was moving there. Like, I mean, I knew that it was just going to happen because... I just knew also, like, no reason. There was, like, you know, I applied super late in the season, too. I think I applied in, like, March because I came out to visit the whales. And so, like, there was, like, no companies hiring. And then I slipped in with the company that you and I both worked at. And that's where we met and saw some whales. Love it. Um, bonded, o- bonded over uh, kayak stand. Oh, my God. That, that we did. That we did. I love it. Um, but yeah. With so much in common crime whale those are those are the main things but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love it um okay so you now work for this company you know and this is during the summer time kind of like what like may to october ish like typical whale watching season yeah yes. okay so what does a, a typical day look like for you um, depends where I'm at. So in the summers, I'm on Orcas in kind of like the late summer and fall. I'm in Baja. Mm-hmm. And then in winter, I'm usually in Maui. So it kind of depends on the day. But since we're focusing on killer whales, yes. uh, we'll, we'll stick with Orcas. Yes. Um, so I do, I started off as just like a naturalist and kayak guide and then got all my sea time and slowly worked my way up to captain. Um, under the condition that I would have to do some fishing, mm-hmm. um, which we can we can get into later. Yes, but I'm uh, so depending on what I do, every just private charters all day, every day um, during the summer. So we could do island hopping, we could do fishing, we can do whale watching, wildlife watching, birding. Like there's a million things to do. The San Juan Islands are so gorgeous, and there's so many things to do and see. Um, but day starts super early, depending on what I'm doing. Usually, I'll I'll pick somebody up from a different island. Um, and go and show them whales or show, you know, yeah, birds, everything, sea lions, all all the things, all the things. Okay. So you, what kind of captain's license do you have? It's like one of the small ones, right? It's, it's not the size of the boat. (laughs) It's the motion of the ocean. Um, (laughs) I have, and just so you know, it's a hundred ton. I just upgraded. Oh my God. (laughs) Amazing. 
I was just curious because I was like, what kind of boat are we operating on? And I've seen you on oh, the gotcha. little boats. Yeah. So when I started, I had my six pack license. So that's just small boats, like 26 foot boat, six people, a private vessel. Um, now I have my hundred tons. So I'm working my way up towards the bigger boats. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So tell us like a little bit about the fishing that you do. So what are you fishing for? Where are you fishing, et cetera? So where we are, the, all the San Juan Islands are considered Marine Area 7, mm-hmm. um, and there's a bunch of different fishing that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, the two main trips that I would run are bottom fishing okay. and salmon fishing and crabbing, if crabbing is open. Um, so we'll go for crabs. Um, bottom fishing is more catch and, catch and release. There's really nothing you can keep in Marine Area 7, which is great for me and for the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you know what you're doing, it's more just like fun and being out on the water. Uh, so you can go for lingcod. You can go for, there's all sorts of sand dabs, rock soles, mm-hmm. rockfish you'll pull up, um, kelp greenling. There are all sorts of the reef fish out there and then when salmon's open we do salmon and then when crabbing's open we crab yes amazing okay so you work both educating people about the orcas and then you fish salmon so is it the chinook that you're fishing or is it just any of the salmon that's out there how does that work (laughs) um there's all sorts of regulations as far as what we can what we can do um when when we're fishing it's usually silvers odd years it's pinks um and during so pretty much there's three months of the year where you can fish for salmon um at least in the summer season Mm -hmm. and you can fish for all kinds they don't let you retain any wild chinook okay which is great that is great yeah because my next question was going to be you know you're motivated both to educate people on the orcas but then also we're fishing for salmon there you know maybe sometimes feels like a disconnect there um but, you know, do you feel that the practices are sustainable, at least with, like, the private charters? Um, so we can title this podcast, like, Best Hypocrite for an Interviewer, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely conflicting. I had to get into fishing in order to get my captain's license in order to ultimately be out on the water educating people about whales and wildlife and conservation. Um, so it's kind of like a means to an end for me. Yeah. Um, not proud of it, but I do, I have learned a lot and gained a big appreciation for fishing as a whole. Yeah. Um, I try and educate people on the boats all the time when I'm going about what we're fishing for and why, and then also why things are so restricted. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cool thing in Washington and at least in Marine Area 7 is there's like a million rules. Like you literally go out fishing and can't catch anything. It's kind of funny. Um, and people get really pissed on the boats because they want to catch stuff. And one, there's, there's no salmon there to catch. Yeah. Two, <laughs> yeah. um, they can't they can't keep a lot of a lot of the fish that we pull up, right. um, whether it's salmon or bottom fishing. Yeah. And so I use that kind of as a conversation starter as to what's going on yeah. in the ocean. Um, and I I have reached a lot of people. The thing I like to do is talk to the wives of the of the people Perfect. on the trips. Yes, um, you know, it's 2020. Women are in charge, so. they uh usually i can get them on my side and i've had a few trips where guys have caught salmon and the wives have made them throw them back amazing more than one occasion i love that (laughs) 
That's awesome. Okay, so you say that, like, you're able to to reach people. So do you, like, you do notice a change in behavior, like, once people find out what the situation is? Like, do you ever find that there's people who just don't care, like, even though um, it's, like, a big problem? Yes, yes and no. I mean, it's like it's like any anybody on the spectrum. It's like there's people you can reach. There's people that are like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Most people are just really ignorant, mm-hmm. um, especially people who want to fish yeah there's a certain certain type of people that want to go out sport fishing a lot of them are from texas and they literally ask if we can catch and eat a whale uh amazing yeah (laughs) i i've lived in texas before so i yeah i can understand why so like texas or florida like if i i if i pick them up and i figure out that's where they're from i'm like okay i'm just not gonna waste my breath because they're just gonna want to like murder everything um and have no regard for the ocean (laughs) if there's people from the pacific northwest or other parts of the states or world um usually the international people are the most educated big surprise but any given day you can pick up any type of person obviously you want to make an impact but it there there are some people that are not going to be impacted yeah uh, <laughs> texas florida and then there are <laughs> there are people who are really open uh to learning and, and understanding what's going on in the ocean for sure I think it's funny that those are the two states that you call out because I've lived in both of those states for long periods of time. And, like, when I got to the Pacific Northwest, I had, like, culture shock because, like, I felt like I could get further with my conversations because I wasn't trying to, like, argue with people about why we should do the right thing for the environment or, like, why that's, like, valuable. So it's just, like, funny that you bring that up um, and that that is consistent. Not that we want to stereotype or anything. Nobody's stereotyping here. <laughs> that is not what's happening. No hypocrites here. No one doing anything yeah. that they say they don't do. Okay, so you guys do catch and release them. So you guys have poles. That would be your method for fishing. Yeah, so we troll. Um, so, I mean, it depends what we're fishing for. Bottom fishing, you're just fishing off the bottom. It's just like a rod in your hand moving it up and down. And you'll pull plenty of stuff up. Salmon fishing, you troll, so you're you're moving at a slow speed, just a few knots, and you're just dragging a line and a lure behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're ambush predators. They feed when other ones are feeding, so you just want to imitate that and try mm-hmm. and attract the salmon. Yeah. Okay. And do you guys typically have success when going for the salmon? Like, is there a lot out there? <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. Uh, no, I mean, if you're a good fisherman, there's spots, and they're constantly changing, like... Um, there's definitely fish out there, but when I first started, like, learning the trade and the waters, I would talk to all the old guys on the docks to get my information. Because salmon fishing is really hard. Like, even if you're good, you're not going to catch a lot of salmon. Um, and I talked to all the old guys on the dock, try and find the spots, the times, the tides. And the main thing I got is that there's just it's not what it used to be like the ocean's depleted the fish are smaller and there's just not not enough of them yeah i mean that makes sense i met a woman on one of my boats up here um in the last like six months or so and she said she was telling me about how she went to the san juans and she took a kayak tour and like she had a salmon literally jump into her kayak 20 years ago like there were that many salmon out and about (laughs) <laughs> if they're running there are they're there yeah. like the silvers are there the pinks are there um it's just the chinooks that are are not in my opinion yeah and i've only, I've only been on the water a few years yeah that's fair and, and like just in like one specific area um yeah so yeah there's definitely not a ton of food so 
Um, you know, I was going to ask how the regulations impact your ability to fish, but, you know, it sounds like you already answered that question. Are there any other, like, regulations that we should know about or that you think are important for people to, like, know exist? Um, I mean, the, the state of Washington does a really good job, in my opinion, like I was saying. Like, you can go out and not keep a lot of things. Um, they make it doable. They make you earn it as far as the salmon go. Um, and I think everything's pretty well, like, pretty reasonable as far as that goes. Um, and definitely in the in the mindset of protecting the oceans and the fish. So I, I think Washington uh, Department of Fish and, Fish and Wildlife are doing a great job as far as the regulations go. Um, but that's just for my area. Like yeah. that's just Marine Area 7 and the San Juans, which that's where the resident killer whales are. But yes. um, so yeah, it's, it's different everywhere. Where uh, is um, Marine Area 7 like in relation to the islands? It's, it's all the San Juans it's pretty all much. all the San Juans, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so they're way more protected than most of the other areas, which is great. It's, yeah, it's what we need right now. Um, so my next question was going to be, you know, uh, do you feel that the regulations are appropriate? And if you could change any, would you? Um, but it sounds like you said you feel that they're appropriate. They're pretty appropriate. Um, I think, I mean, you, you literally can't keep a wild Chinook. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you can keep like one hatchery. Um, per person and only for like a month out of the out of the year if that and it's kind of constantly changing um, so the regulations I think are, are doing a good job and they're pretty reasonable for charter fishing mm-hmm. um, it's the com- I looked up all the I had no idea about the commercial fishing regulations because they're all different too um, but that's where I think the real issue lies yeah no, I was, yeah, I was going to ask that too. Um, yeah, the commercial fishing is definitely a much bigger problem than like these smaller vessels. Obviously we should all be mindful of like our impact, no matter how big or small. Um, what have you seen with the commercial fishing or do you have like any knowledge of that? I don't, I don't see any of them. Uh, I don't know that much about the commercial fishing. They, they can't do it like right there. It's the Puget Sound where it all happens. Mm-hmm. Um, just not in like the actual San Juan. So yes. I can't speak on it. I just looked up the numbers and it's like, so I, I was, cause I've tried to justify this for myself. Right. So I'm like, I love whales. I don't want to take their food away is what I'm doing impacting them significantly enough to where like I should quit my job or, you know, just I've made, made my deal with the devil. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you go out there and all the chart all the charter there's a few charter fishing boats out there mostly it's just private guys who want to go out on the weekend and catch a fish like fishing is a culture it's mm-hmm. it's you can do it sustainably um and for a lot of people like that's just what they like to do they like to go out and catch a fish and eat it and i don't think there's anything wrong with that um so i mean on a saturday on a busy summer weekend there could be 100 boats out there Mm -hmm. um as a professional fisherman we don't catch that much so Mm -hmm. i know these guys aren't catching that much either probably significantly less and at the most you could take one maybe two salmon per person Mm -hmm. um and you could be out there just so people know salmon fishing is long and boring Mm -hmm. like our trips are five hours long and we might get a bite oh my god um so and and there's good days and there's bad days like everything else but um so i mean on a crazy busy weekend there's probably we're probably pulling hundreds of fish out of the water realistically Mm -hmm. um for the day and then 
is that sustainable? I don't know. I know the numbers are super depleted, um, but I know they run every year and I know the life cycle of the salmon. So um, who knows on that end? Mm -hmm. But I know, you know, a few hundred a day versus the thousands and thousands that are being pulled out by the commercial fishing. Right. Where's the real problem lie? And I'm not pointing fingers. We both suck. But yeah. <laughs> no, that I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's important to like um, see like a assess kind of how big the problems are in different areas but i think that's also important that you like recognize that you suck um because i mean we have to like i think that's a that's a big problem and um in like the last episode i talked about an article with shelby nielsen where we talked about the impacts of whale watching and on that one i do want to i'm going to go back later because i brought in my search and i did find more articles on that but like all of the articles are consistent that um you know whale watching impacts like whale foraging behavior and like that's not good and a lot of the whale watching people say that like they're protecting the whales when really they're the ones out there harming them and like I don't mean it in like a you know a bad way like they do help in certain ways like educating people but like it's important like you're leading by example and showing that be like okay like hey I do care about these guys I do have a goal but like I am still hurting them in a way you know yeah <sighs> it's, <laughs> it's tough yeah and it's when I go, it's funny because when I go out on the trips, they're like, if there's extra fish or crabs or whatever, they're like, you eat it. I'm like, no, I, I don't, I don't, I choose not to. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like, again, super big hypocrite fisherman that doesn't eat, eat fish. But um, I try and make that point so that they understand like exactly like where I'm at and yeah. where things are at and why I was saying what I was saying on the boats. I think that's really important, too, that, like, you know, obviously, like, I see you have a means to an end, but, like, the fact that you're willing to walk the walk in a sense, too. Like, obviously, like, there, no one can do anything perfectly, and, like, you know, you're in a situation that's temporary, and you've waited out to, like, whatever, you know, you're comfortable with. But, um, you know, that's really important that you're like, hey, like, I'm not just saying this, I'm gonna, like, you know, go through and, like, not eat the salmon, or not eat, you know, whatever it is that we pulled out of here. Um, Shelby had said on the last just episode... Just the Chinook. Just the Chinook, yeah. Um, but Shelby had mentioned she went on a whale-watching boat in Canada, and that they had, um, decided that they were not gonna watch the Southern residents, even though the Southern residents were around because of all the problems, and that she like she really respected the fact that they did that and i'm sure your customers think the same thing like okay you know clearly he's got goals and stuff um and is like you know not willing to do it himself okay so i'm curious about fishing culture so like how do like how is it perceived in fishing culture like you know the issues with the southern residents and the salmon um by both you know fisher people and professional fishermen um there's both ends of the spectrum, like anything I was saying earlier, like there, there's a lot of fishermen out there who are super well connected with their, their profession and the oceans and the fish. And they, I mean, when you go out and start your day at 4.30 AM and you're out there for five hours and you catch one fish and you fight it, pull it in, fillet it, clean it, and then cook it, like there's something there, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and you just get more connected with, with, what you're doing and you appreciate it more and you want to treat treat it better um as hippy dippy as that sounds mm -hmm. so there are plenty of fishermen who have extreme respect for the fish and the wildlife and then there's also the fishermen that are throwing cigarette butts in the ocean and swearing and just pulling up anything and making jokes about killing whales 
So it's like you get you get both ends of the spectrum. Right. A, a good fisherman or fishing people have a lot of respect for the water and the wildlife and the fish. Uh, but there's also, you know, the other side of it who yeah. just don't give a shit about anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and all of that just gets tied down to education, in my opinion. It's like if you don't know what's going on, if you're ignorant to it, what's stopping you, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, I think so. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, most people, once they do know, they do want to make a change. But also, I mean, there are some people that are, like, willfully ignorant, too. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, a totally cool thing now. Yeah, it's a, it's a trend. It's like, yeah, I'm like, like I'm seeing that and I like, I don't mean to like just continue to bash the whale watching industry. Like, obviously, I also work in the whale watching industry. I don't think it's bad. But like, um, as far as like with the southern residents, like based on the scientific evidence that we have, it doesn't make sense to watch these whales. And like a lot of these people claim to be like, science based or like rooted in conservation and then like are still persisting that whale watching boats need to be around the southern residents and it's like that's not the case yeah with the southern residents that's bull in my opinion yeah um with the uh, with the transient whales hell yeah yeah go for it all the way educate show inspire connect all those things um but the residents i think are a special exemption to that yeah and I as guess- fucking sweet as it is to watch the residents because they are awesome i've had my best boat watches with the residents i think we should give them a break 100 <laughs> percent. i totally agree with you and like i like watched the residents like you know i was up in the san juans with you for a summer and i watched them a couple of times and like that was when i was like still learning about all the things and i didn't know all the complexities of it but i'm definitely glad that i don't work in whale watching up in washington anymore like just for that reason because it's like such a hot button issue and like the whale watching boats are still really persistent on them and like to me i just am like that's not worth it and like deborah giles and a lot of other scientists but of course like we know deborah giles because she's been on here oh there's a dog oh he's barking oh yeah that's amazing and that's what he thinks about it i love that um but like she just posted a study with some other people like literally four days ago um that said that you know the results show that it changes the like the boats that are within 400 meters change the foraging behavior of the females and this is like especially um important because that they need to like have energy to like you know continue to reproduce uh so it's a whole mess i'm really disappointed in whale watching up there and like i don't want to like you know there are people out there who really do care and i think most of them do i just don't understand why these people who are claiming to be rooted in science still want to be on top of the whales. And I saw like some thread that was like talking about how like, oh, it's the wreck boats and this and that. The whale watch boats are the ones that are out there for like long periods of time. Wreck boats just pass through. And then the scientific papers also say that um, like collisions or boats passing over, like those incidences are very rare and less damaging. Yeah, Um, I'll speak on a million of those points right now. Yes, please. So in Washington, it's it's okay. So this year was crazy because of COVID. So Canada wouldn't let us into their waters. The whales are there half the time. So if there was a whale in the San Juans, like all the boats were on it Mm -hmm. because there was no other whales to go to. And there, there are tons of captains and people and companies that are very, very respectable. But at the end of the day, like people are getting on a boat to go pay and paying to go see whales. So it's like all the captains will coordinate and be like, okay, we're going to pass them off. We're going to stay a short amount of time. You know, we're going to be respectful while we're watching them. But there's some days where it's just like 
there's friggin' 25 boats on, on one group of whales or one humpback or one little transient pod. And you're yeah. like, this is so bad. Like, there's no way this is not, not impacting them 100%. significantly. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with you. So you think that maybe they're more motivated by that um, to, like, watch the Southern residents, like, for that reason? Um, I will, well, I don't know. It's it, like, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, if we can't watch the Southern residents now, what's that going to do to the other whales, especially if the borders are still closed? Like now they're just going to get doubled down on, at least if the residents were there and other whales were there, you could split up the boats. Um, I mean, I get that. But at the same time, like the residents are endangered, like literally we're at risk of losing the entire population. So like figure out another way. Like I get that yeah. you could have unhappy customers, but also like people need to have realistic expectations for wildlife. Like, you know, <laughs> that's another thing too. It's like all the brochures show a whale jumping over the boat and people want that. So it's like yeah. in the San Juans, but also if you're a good naturalist, if you have a good naturalist and you know where you're at, like you could spend an hour with fucking group of birds there's so many like the sea lions are awesome the sea like if you know enough about the wildlife out there there's enough wildlife to where you don't even need to see a whale and have a killer time on a, on a trip in the san juans yes 100 percent. ball eagles harbor seals get those stellars as well yeah no 100 percent. like there's so much to see up there and there's a lot of history and there's so many different islands like you can take people to the islands like you know, it's not like there are other ways to make it a meaningful and impactful tour um, without that. So, yeah. And also wildlife is wild and we're not going to get like breaching animals all the time. Like, are you doing cartwheels 24-7? Like when a dog walks by, are you like, oh, cartwheel time? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also wanted to say, so like out in Maui where I work, it's it's granted it is in like the actual like breeding area but there are so many mfing humpbacks and they're like one of the coolest conservation stories ever right because they were on the brink of extinction and then you know the whale song kind of inspired a bunch of change and started the whole save the whales movement and now they're like off the endangered species list and there's friggin' they're friggin' everywhere and then you can go out with uh, there could be so many boats on the water and no one would be crowding no one is crowding whales um, there's no shortage and people get really good experiences and it really isn't impacting the whales. I don't yeah. think personally out there, that's a whole nother like zone of the ocean and a whole nother species, but right. it just goes to show you that like when things are done right and populations are healthy, then everybody wins. Yeah. And that's like, that's the thing too, is like, we just have to be mindful of the fact that like, this is literally a dying species. And like, if that's not going to be motivation enough for people, I don't know what will. And like the, you know, the whale watching boats are definitely not protecting the animals like, cause that's what they say. They're like, otherwise wreck boats will drive over them. And you and I kind of talked about this before. Like they're not paying attention. So they're not going to pay attention to us <laughs> no. either. There's been so many times where we've been watching the whales and just like some big wagon <laughs> and yacht full throttling all the way through. And then everyone's honking, waving the whale flags. And like, they're not paying attention. Like yeah. it's a Saturday. Yes. They're booze cruising. Yeah. They, they don't care. And like, I feel like, you know, when they, like the whales, I don't know, they, like, it seems like they're not as impacted by that just based on the studies that I've looked at, but it's just complex and annoying. But yeah, you're right. Like what once, like if we can get the Southern residents back up to where they need to be healthy, not stressed, then yes, we can all go enjoy the whales. Like, and that's fun. Also, it's really hard to run a whale over. Like (laughs) you could try and run a whale over at least a killer whale. Like they know what's going on. They hear your engine. Like they're going to get out of the way. And you would know because you have tried. 
Oh, so many times. <laughs> Edit that out. No. Uh, no. See, I was just thinking about that as It is like if I literally tried to run over a whale, I don't think I could. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the orcas are pretty fast. Like one of the things I've noticed here is like the um, the transients here in California, like they're so hard to keep track of. And like we don't have the islands. So like it's all open ocean out there. And like a lot of times what'll happen is like people get a couple looks and then they're gone um like because they're like you know they don't want to hang out with us and sometimes they do want to hang out with us and they'll stick around for a bit um but yeah like it's hard to to watch them um so it definitely would be hard to hit a whale even if you tried um, <laughs> please don't go hit whales guys uh, but yeah We're, we can put the title for this podcast hypocrite um <laughs> whale runner over and wet, wet whale dreams we put all three of those. <laughs> and i'll lose all my credibility all of all my yeah, following this is never getting aired <laughs> this is never, never yelled. Oh, no it's good i i i do appreciate some comedic relief you know um not everything has to be so serious all the time i mean it's a serious topic but like uh, yeah you know. chill the f- out they're just whales they're just whales they're really cool whales totally kidding totally kidding they're awesome whales and we should all care about them yes Um, yes no they're amazing um okay so you were saying like in maui the humpbacks have like made a comeback i also like this is not really related but i just want to say how much i love humpbacks um because they like to play hide and seek with my boat here in Monterey. They love our boat and like we'll turn the engines off and they'll hide underneath and they'll come up on one side and the other side. And they do that all the time. Like apparently that's not normal. My captain said that's not normal, but apparently it's what they're doing. Do they do I've that had so many crazy interactions with humpbacks. Yes. Humpbacks are so cool. And yeah. they, they honestly, they have personalities just like dogs in my opinion. Like yes. some of them, do not care they don't want anything to do with you and it's pretty recognizable right away and other ones love you and want to play hide and seek with you yes the first whale that i would ever consider like a hide and seek whale um i remember it like went underneath like i had how many times are you gonna brag about this erica Uh, so many times (laughs) never i'm never gonna stop but like my my captain had stopped the boat and we like, we, we knew that the whale was under us because it got close to us. And, like, usually when they come up, they'll, like, blow. And, like, then, you know, that's how we find them. No, this whale, I was, like, walking around the boat looking for it, like, waiting to see where it was going to pop up. And it had its little snoot, like, up, like, pretty much touching the bow. Um, and I've had to tell people, like, that we can't touch the whales. Like, and not that people are trying to touch the whales, but because they get that close. I'm like, I don't, you know, we don't usually have to say this, but, like, don't touch these whales. like don't touch them but yeah no you're right there's like some humpbacks are like i'm gonna go do my thing get lost by a human and there are other humpbacks are like hey we'll be friends um yeah i freaking love humpback whales they're amazing um amazing so back to getting on the topic because this is highly professional um and everything (laughs) Um, so what is one thing that you would want, or a couple things that you would want the public to know about, like, fisher people and, or, you know, orca lovers? What do you want them to know about fisher people? <laughs> um, fisher people, they're not all the devil. They're not all the uh, devil, just cold. No, most of them are, including me. Yeah. But 
hell is not that hot honestly like <laughs> people talk about it and it's like a, a good 95 it's pretty comfortable it's pretty com- and you're uh, from arizona so yeah i was born in the desert yeah uh, no I, in all seriousness there are a lot of fishermen out there who have more respect for whales and fish than all you whale nerds do that's probably uh, true yeah 100 percent um and they have a lot of wisdom from being out on the water and from from doing what they do um so i would say don't judge judge somebody as if they were coming waving a a flag from texas or florida because you never know yep um you know those maga hats are are hard to uh hard to turn around uh but um, there's there's seriously a lot of fishermen out there who are super well connected with with their craft and the wildlife and the oceans and um, they would want to protect it just as much as anybody else. There's the other end of the spectrum too, but I think that um, I've noticed in the whale community, everybody just thinks fishermen are awful, yeah. and it's mostly true, yeah. <laughs> but not all the way. Yeah, no, that's fair, and I like I that's one of the things that I kind of have a problem with too is that people just like. Like, they're so quick to judge. Like, we should be able to hold each other accountable for actions and behaviors without being like, oh, my God, this person's a terrible person. And, like, when I'm saying things about the whale-watching industry, I do not think that the people in the whale-watching industry are awful. I don't think that they're the devil. I don't think fishermen are the devil. Like, you know, I think that they're people who make choices um, that, you know, sometimes could make better choices. And, like, I do think all these people love wildlife to some degree like you're not going to be out working on a boat like if you don't have any interest in being out there you're not going to be so yeah i mean they're let's just stop being so quick to judge and hop on top of people and just everybody try to do your part just just hop on top of them just on the whale just ride the whale (laughs) (laughs) pants on pants off whatever you want it's it's your dream it's your wet dream (laughs) 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 oh my gosh can I even post this? I'm no. still gonna, yeah, I'm still gonna post it. It's fine. I hope I don't have any like kid followers. I mean, I do and I don't. I don't know. I hope they're not listening. I should definitely like put an explicit, yeah, <laughs> like a warning. Be like, by the way, if you're under the age of eighteen, maybe don't listen. To not this. the episode for you. Not the episode for you. <laughs> um. Anywho, okay, so I always ask people what we can learn from the orcas, but what do you think we can learn from orcas or salmon since you spend time around both? Um, lots. Actually, you can't really learn anything from salmon. They're just a dumb fish. What? (laughs) Totally kidding. They have really cool life cycles, and their story is pretty amazing. I didn't know anything about salmon before I had to start (laughs) fishing for them. Um, they can, they can, they will return to whatever stream they were friggin' spawned in. They can go all the way to Japan and back to that same stream. Like, that's crazy. We talk about whales and their migrations, but the salmon migration's insane too. Not that it's really a migration, but. Like, I just, like, I lose my parked car, like, (laughs) all the time. I'm like, where is it? Yeah, I I don't know where my mom laid me. Like, how, you know. Literally, They're like, but this Years. is where we go. And I have the internet. And yeah, uh, true. No, there. I mean, there's so much to learn from anything, right? Whether it's a whale or a salmon or a crab. Yeah. Um, if if you if you dissect it enough and like dive into it, like there's some really cool. Yeah. Um, 
science and ecology and connections and all those things, uh, all those buzzwords for you whale people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can learn a lot from anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any final thoughts or anything else that you want to say? Um, I have a plug. Okay. Let's hear it. So I talked about Hawaii and I've talked about Orcas Island yes. and the San Juans, but I also want to talk about Mexico. Heck yeah, you do. Um, it is my favorite place in the world. You yes. can get killer whales there too and hump bats and pretty much friggin' anything. Um, so when I'm not working for the devil fishing in the San Juans or in Hawaii, um, I run a citizen science program down in Mexico with mm -hmm. the Vermilion Sea Institute. Mm -hmm. um, this is how I, I make up for all my sins. So I am Catholic. You know how you can just pray them all away. I do that in Mexico with all my good work down in Mexico. Um, we've got some really cool programs. Our goal is to connect people with the community mm -hmm. and with the wildlife out there. And it's literally one of the coolest places in the world. Yeah. Um, and you can go. So what, what we've done is we've created this program where anybody can go. They don't have to have any background in whales or marine mm -hmm. biology or anything. We have the most random people come on these trips. Um, but you go out, you get to swim with whale sharks. We teach you how to collect data on them. So you measure them, you sex them, gender ID them. Let me be more specific. Um, yeah, because we have to with you. <laughs> we have to in this episode, yeah. We're not, I mean, you could. It's Mexico if you wanted to sex the shark. But no, it's a protected what? zone. We're in, we're in protected waters. Yeah. Um, we got to delete all this. I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my plug. If you want to come down to Mexico and measure whale sharks and collect data on them and take pictures and ultimately do citizen science um, and do some things that help uh, protect not just whale sharks, but the oceans as a whole, um, it's one of the coolest things in the world to do. We'll train you. We'll get you in the water. You can go swim with the whale shark. You can connect with the people in the community in Baja. Um, as well as all the other wildlife. There's humpbacks, there's mobula rays, there's sea lions, all sorts of cool fish and everything. Um, it's like my little passion project and my happy place. And I do all the things that I do so that I can go do that and show, show people and connect them to the ocean out there. That's amazing. And I think, yeah, that is a great option for wanting to connect to wildlife and then wanting to connect to science too, because you get to learn a little bit about the process and then it's so cool you get to be like a fake marine biologist for a week fake marine biologist and you can see it's really it's, not that hard but real data and it's really not that hard no no it's uh, not that hard. and it's really cool you get to swim with whale sharks and all sorts of other things and friends yeah and it's mexico and it's mexico i i want to come um obviously covid dependent this year yeah. but yeah no i mean i've only heard great things and like we've had friends that have done it and they said that they loved it as well um yeah you guys should go do that maybe i'll go do it maybe we can just like whale out vermilionceinstitute.org is the place to go vermilion sea institute it's an amazing nonprofit. Um, we do really killer work um see all sorts of cool things and get to do really cool things um, and i would love for anybody that's listening to be a part of it because yes. it is it will change your life. Literally change mine. It's what sparked my quarter life crisis. It's I what... love that. <laughs> I love that. Dude, the whales sparked my quarter life crisis. I was trying to move to Africa. Like, <laughs> for like three years I was trying to move back. And then I encountered these whales and I was like, oh, we're doing something else now. But it's super cool. Yeah, we love it. I love when animals spike a quarter life crisis or midlife crisis. 
Everyone can have a crisis at any time. We all have fish. Don't limit yourself, kids. Yeah. (laughs) For all the kids that are not listening to this episode, because (laughs) because you're probably your parents that that disclaimer. Yeah. Have a crisis at any time. Any time. Um, especially, I mean, that's the theme of like the last year, 2020, we're going to 2021. It's time for have a crisis every day. If you want it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I feel like I had something productive to say, and then now I don't. Um, Not much of this has been productive. No, No, it Um, really has. No. You want me to summarize for you? Um, yes. But also I, I, I do remember what I was going to say. I'll put the link to the institution in the bio of this so thank you that would be awesome and then you can find it and we don't just do whale shark citizen science we do kids programs uh, family programs uh, we work with a lot of colleges people can come out and do their own research yes uh, we do yoga retreats if you're into that stuff i'm, uh, so, I'm so into that and so you do it on the whale <laughs> It takes extra skill, but yes. A lot of balance. Yeah. No. Wait, okay, how does the yoga work? Now I'm curious. Like um, paddleboard yoga. Heck yeah. It's awesome. We go out in the morning. The the bay is so beautiful and they go out and do do all their yoga shit in the morning. It's so cool. Amazing. Um do you guys have like a special whale shark pose that you've created? <laughs> I'll work on it, maybe and get back to you. I think you should. Yeah, amazing. I'll try it out in my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, that's a great place to leave it for everyone. And just hold on. If, if you take anything away, take away that. Just yeah. That. <laughs> Fishermen suck, but not all of them and not completely. Fishing when done right is actually a really, a really cool way to connect with nature yeah. uh, and your food and protect the killer whales yeah. and dream about them. Whatever kind of dreams you want. <laughs> amazing well thanks so much for being on here it was great um i think that you have some issues and maybe you should consider therapy but um it was great having you on and i'm so glad that you're here um it's okay. worth it just to just to hear that fishy fun. yeah thank you thanks i right. i have them i have them all stored in there well thank you so much for having me i hope this helped somebody in yeah, some way me too me too Alrighty guys, so I did cut that off right before Cole said um, another really important piece of information. He advised you guys to go have a crisis, so go have a crisis. Um, This week's whale of the week is L55 Nugget. This is a 44-year-old female. She has four living offspring. Um, There are three females, Kasatka, which is L82, Lapis, L103, and Jade, L111. She does have one male offspring, um, Dakota, L109. She became a grandmother to Kasatka um, in August of 2010. Um, Kasatka had a baby named Finn, that's L16. And then Lapis had a baby um, in November of 2015, um, Lazulia L123. I do apologize if I pronounced any of those wrong. Um, But if you want to learn more, check out the Whale Museum's website. They do have bios on the Southern Residence that we do have now. Um, So if you want to learn more, go check it out. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Um, as always go check out our social media pages interact with us there if you have any questions always submit them and then if you guys do want to continue to support this project uh, feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on or um, to check out our patreon page that's another way that you can help support us but thanks so much for joining us and we will chat more next week